next step in the Port-to-Port Windmill Saga is environmental assessment set to take place early in the new year. But what would it take to stop altogether this project that would turn the peninsula into a forest of wind turbines? I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land, and water. Quay and hello again. This is episode 237 of Mi'kmaq Matters, brought to you with listener support. Become a patron at patreon.com slash Mi'kmaq Matters. We're waiting to see what questions World Energy GH2 will have to answer in the environmental assessment for the wind energy project it wants to build on the port port Peninsula on the west coast of Newfoundland. The period of public input into the guidelines just closed, and now we're waiting to see what direction to World Energy GH2 comes from the province. There is lots riding on this for the 4,000 people who live on the peninsula. Already, there's lots of disruption from the Atlantic Minerals Limited Quarry operations and the dust and truck traffic from that site. The wind energy project will have far more dramatic environmental fallout on half the land on the peninsula and on the plants, birds, animals, and humans who live there. With the constellation of powerful forces arrayed in favor of the project, what are the chances of stopping it altogether? In the five months since it was established, the Environmental Transparency Committee has made the project a provincial political issue and exposed the cozy relationships between the provincial liberals and the project developer. But is that enough? What needs to happen for the project to be nixed altogether? Our guest this week is Marilyn Rowe of the Environmental Transparency Committee. Marilyn, great to have you back on the program again. Thank you so much. Pleasure to be here, Glenn. Um, So let's uh, start with uh, bringing listeners up to date about where we are in the process in terms of environmental assessment, et cetera. Where are we right now in regard to the windmill project? Uh, Right now, we have just finished the draft guidelines of the environmental assessment. Um, so that closed on November the 8th. We got our submissions in. There was quite a few of them that were missing from the, the guidelines for the company, um, including a whole list of animals and birds and, and uh, you know, the effects on uh, humans and water, health, um, infrasound, um, vibration, um, trying to think, oh, the, uh, there was supposed to be a table of contents there that people could refer to, you know, and it says that, you know, refer to the table of contents. Well, there was none. There was no contact information for the minister or for the uh, gentleman that's the head of the EA uh, project, which is Eric Watton. Um, so we submitted all the information that we possibly could, plus letters from you know, residents that had their own individual concerns about hunting and, and, and uh, you know, cutting wood and, and, you know, protecting our forests and, and rare plants and stuff like that. So um, now we wait until the government, 
you know, comes back with the um, guidelines that they have presented to the company. Yes, and, and this then, is the guidelines by which the actual environmental assessment will be conducted, the things that the environmental assessment right. will have to take into account. So exactly. the, it sounds like there were being it sounds that they were being a bit slapdash and skimpy on the factors. A lot of things would not have been considered in the guidelines that um, they yeah, put out. Yeah, the draft guidelines it was so so vague, so vague, Glenn. I mean, for a you know uh, twelve billion or sixteen, I don't know what it's up to now. It seems like it keeps growing, uh, but as you know, in the billions, twelve billion dollar project and counting. Uh, a 49-page document, um, just and, and it seems like every project that he has is like a 49-page document. So it seems like he just takes the template and you know and, and places it wherever the project is, and here you go. Mm. I mean, we were referred to as receptors and in, in, in the guidelines into the draft guidelines, and I'm like, you know, they don't even mention the human factor here, which is mm. you know pretty sad, right? So and then so. And what is the timeline for the actual environmental assessment? How long would that take in the normal process? Well, well, they they have to give the company the guidelines. I think it's by December twenty second. I could be wrong on that date because I may have that mixed up with the Crown Lands bids too. But I, I know it's in December, so mm -hmm. they have on. I think it's uh, yeah, six six weeks, I believe, after uh, they have the submission. So. I think it'll be in December. Um, and then, uh, of course, then they have to do the environmental assessment then. Right. And, uh, so it looks know, like it'll be at take, least uh, yeah. it'll be at least a year before um, uh, to do yeah. the environmental assessment, probably, because um, uh, they yes. will have well, to you, put it out there. Absolutely. And, you know, um, if you look at uh, previous environmental assessments, for example, with Atlantic Minerals, um, you know, they they did they had to do an environmental assessment. I would say about five six years ago, and they still haven't had approval for their expansion of Atlantic Minerals here. You know, just in our community. Hmm. Um, but ATIP information that we required earlier on uh, did mention that they will be getting their expansion this year. So <laughs> wow. that's that's kind of funny, but anyway, I guess they have to appease them to in order to grant anybody else anything in a hmm. record time, I guess. Yeah. Um, now, um, the other thing uh, I saw recently, uh, Marilyn, is that the um, World Energy GH two kind of jumped the gun, and we're doing yep. some cutting uh, on the peninsula uh, to put up this uh, this uh, test uh, tower. Uh, but it looks like they had not got the appropriate paperwork and uh, uh, your group, the Environmental Transparency Committee, got on the case and um, yep. intervened. Tell us about tell us about that. Yeah, well, we heard, you know, from uh, residents uh, that, that there was heavy construction going on in West Bay and mainland. Um, so we went out there and, uh, you know, asked for permits and, and uh, documents stating that they had, you know, the authority to be in there cutting and clearing roads. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody could produce us, uh, produce any papers. So uh, we contacted um, Crown Lands because that's where we were directed. And um, after speaking to Crown Lands, we were informed um, that there was not a license to occupy that the application was still in progress. And that application is still in progress to this day. Um, 
But after that, we, uh, you know, they went out, they investigated. And as a result of that investigation, the work, the, the, the company stopped work for four days. And then the government gave them a temporary permit to occupy those crown lands. Oh. And so right now they're in West Bay, they're in mainland, and they are in lower code, um, building roads and uh, clearing, haircutting uh, forests. Um, in, in total, the four uh, Metmas towers and roads will take up 47.5 acres of our land here in port Wow. That's amazing. That's just for four. So do the yeah. do the math on... Uh... Well, the Crown Land application is for uh, 40, I think it's 49% of our peninsula. So, I mean, and we live on the other parts of it. Uh, and and there, there will be, you know, uh, I guess some consideration given to uh, protected areas and limestone barrens and, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, that, that'll take up pretty much the rest of our forest here on the peninsula. So that's, that's a scary part. And that's why we're fighting so hard to, to prevent this from happening. You know, there are other areas in the province that this mega project would be more suitable for instead of on top of our mountaintop. Yes. Now, <clears throat> Marilyn, of course, uh, I don't have to tell you that you're up against um, strong forces here. The um, yeah. As we saw from that uh, announcement in Stephenville, we had the the Prime Minister, the Premier, the can- Chancellor of Germany, um, yep. the chiefs of two uh, Mi'kmaq First Nations, well, and uh, and also Peggy White, of course, from uh, Three Rivers, a lot uh-huh. of the mayors, the mayor of Stephenville. So um, what what do you think has to happen for you to be able to stop the project in the face of this uh, support from all these powerful people? Well, that is a very good question. Um, you know, if you look at Louis Hills and Bloomy Down Mountains, they were taken off the table because they're in a uh, sensitive ecological area. Um, and there were no, uh, you know, uh, humans living, you know, in those areas, this, this is all forests and mountains and, and whatnot. So based on their criteria, I mean, we should be given the same consideration. Uh, and we did write a letter to, to Minister Parsons that we have not received a response from yet. And that was, you know, right after the blow me down, Louis Hills was taken off the map. Um, and, and, you know, based on us having, you know, close to 4,300 residents here on the peninsula, a tiny peninsula, I'll add, um, why can't we be given the same consideration considering we've done, you know, uh, uh, you know, with lots of meetings, we've had uh, protests and we've signed petitions and we've done door-to-door polls and polls in our uh, town halls and the results are 84% of the peninsula are against this mega project. So why can we not be given that same consideration here on the Port of Port Peninsula as they gave to Louis Hills and Blow Me Down Mountain, if that's the criteria? You right. Know, and, and, our, and, yeah. And, and why do you think uh, Louis Hills and Blow Me Down Mountains was taken off the list and not Port of Port? Is it because the Port of Port Peninsula is closer to Stephenville where the plant would be? Or is it that perhaps, um, you know, there was a you know, a, a stronger lobby in um, 
for Lewis Hills and uh, Bloomingdale because of the uh, Appalachian Trail and all that? Or what? How do you understand why they would take those off and leave the peninsula as is open for uh, for this development? I'm not sure because uh, Lewis Hills comes right out to the peninsula. I mean, uh, it's right on back of Stephenville, so they can connect there. Uh, I don't think it's bad. I and I, I don't know about you know uh, the pushback from Cornerbrook because you know in the media you didn't hear a lot uh, from any side really. So I don't know really what was going on behind the scenes, and that's why you know we've come together with that group from Cornerbrook and the, the Bay of Islands. Now we we're actually allies. And, uh, you know, they've, they've been a great help to us and will continue to help us with our fight. Um, you know, um, the, the, the limestone barrens out here is, is uh, something to be considered uh, because, you know, we have the, some of the rarest plants in the world here. And, um, and also um, the, uh, the, the birds uh, that we have here on the peninsula, I mean, if you go on eBird, like there's, there's like 50 different species of birds that people have photographed just over the summer. I mean, there, there's a huge bird population here, contrary to what the government would tell you. Um, but the animals too, I mean, into their EIS draft guideline, they said we only had moose and muskrat. I mean, muskrat, I've, I've lived here most of my life. I've yet to see a muskrat on the Port of Port Peninsula. But you know, what I have seen is, is rabbit and, and squirrels and mink and lynx and weasels and, you know, uh, all kinds of animals, really, uh, all kinds of rabbits and hares and, you know, and, and they, they don't list any of those foxes, um, you know. So it, it, it's, uh, you know, what, where do these animals go, Glenn? What happens to these birds and, uh, and these rare plants? And I mean, they have botanists apparently out in the area doing studies. We, right now we're covered in snow. There's probably, you know, uh, a foot of snow in some areas in, in, our, in our forest right now. And they have botanists out here doing studies. I mean, these plants, they, 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 they're dormant now. So yes. you wouldn't even recognize them. So it seems like they're seems yeah. like they're going through the motions and can say they they did a study, but uh, they perhaps did not choose the best time of year oh. to do the study. No, and I mean, and they can't do it, uh, you know, reliably and effectively this time of the year. So you know that's not going to fly. Mm. So um, you know we're just going to keep up the fight, and uh, we're going to. You you had a, a great yeah. meeting on November nineteenth, and. Uh, the, uh, the presentations are posted on your Facebook page, the Environmental Transparency Committee. Um, yeah. Nine presentations and some some great information there, both uh, about the about the environmental aspects and of course um, there's the issue of the amount of um, of the land area of the peninsula that will be affected. And as you say, it's about half. Uh, yeah. The watershed might be affected because many of these uh, windmills will be at the height of land, uh, the source yeah. of uh, a lot of water for the peninsula, um, yeah. <clears throat> the bird and animal life uh, that you mentioned. And of yeah. course, um, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Talking about the water out in, in mainland uh, with the uh, road construction uh, that's going on out there on the local road, 
uh, they are already seeing uh, effects on their water system, uh, browning up their water and, and bubbling. And the same thing was reported in Cape St. George because their, their water uh, source kind of runs adjacent. Right. So we're already seeing issues coming up in the early stages just with these met mass towers. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, the chair of mainland had to call and, uh, and complain and, and request that they put these barriers up by the brook so um, it, w- it wouldn't, uh, you know, go down, mud wouldn't go down into, into their water supplies. Mm-hmm. So it's a big concern. Yes. Uh, for us here in Sheaves Cove, um, you know, we had two, uh, two major brooks when, when I was a kid. And with the uh, big industry that we have right here now, uh, the mining industry, uh, Magic Minerals, um, you know, we, we only have one brook left because uh, over the years, it, it, the, uh, the mining industry has interrupted our water flow. Mm-hmm. So we only get uh, water flow in one of our brooks when we have a heavy rain. And the other one is down to to a small stream right now. Hmm. So, and how do yeah. people on the peninsula get their water? Do they have their own wells, or do they is there um, is there water and sewage uh, in communities on the peninsula? How 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 does that work out there? Uh, well, we have we have a dam, uh, so that comes right from the mountains, and we have um, an artesian well, so we have both supplying you know our community. That is just for running water for, you know, uh, washing and, and dishes and stuff like that. We don't drink the water because the water is contaminated. Our water was so pristine before this mining operation came. I mean, you could wow. go to any brook and just drink and it was delicious, right? Mm-hmm. And now uh, we have to get our drinking water from a spring in, in Stephenville. And some people do have artesian wells. Maybe 1% of the community has artesian wow. wells. Yeah. Um, now, um the other issue, of course, uh, related to this project, and and the committee has been uh, very effective at getting this out, is the sort of political dimension of this project. Uh, it's almost like uh, we're back in Joey Smallwood days, where uh, we have uh, you know our premier and all his uh, his buddies, uh, John Risley, yeah. um, who Brendan Paddock. Uh, Brendan Paddock and uh, uh, Don McIsaac. Yes, Angel Fury stays at uh, John Risley's uh, uh, posh uh, uh, fishing camp in Labrador that used to be owned by Goody Hutchings, the uh, the liberal yeah. uh, MP who, who was a Lundrigan, uh, a powerful liberal family before, uh, of course, uh, she comes from that family. So it's all we have a, you know, all the the power the power dimensions there, um, and uh, you have been. Um, successful in getting this out there in the media there have been stories about that but i'm not sure if it's getting through to people in st john's uh, where the population is where the um where uh you know the uh, progressive people who might be concerned about these things live do you mm-hmm. do you get a sense that we're we're getting through to people across the province or is people are people too concerned about healthcare now that they have no bandwidth left to be concerned about um, all these uh, insider deals on this uh, mammoth uh, windmill project. Um, I'm not sure what the feeling is in St. John's. I mean, we're we're reaching out to as many people as we possibly can. Um, the word is spreading, but the thing is, 
I, I think with the Crown Lands application bid uh, coming up, I think a lot of eyes are going to open up because, you know, right now it's our fight, but but it could be their fight tomorrow. Mm. And um, so they, they may need us in the future. You know, this might be a, uh, a Newfoundland uh, thing going across the island and, and, and gathering strength as we go because, um, you know, it seems like this government um, is for their friends and for their business partners. And it just seems like everything trickles down to their friends and it's one big, you know, buddy-buddy uh, system going on in, in government right now. Um, but I'm hoping that the word will get out. Uh, the only way we can do that is, is to reaching out to different people on Twitter. I do have a Twitter account. You know, uh, this is a first for me. I, yes. I'm not on what, what's your handle on, uh, on Twitter, Marilyn? Uh, well, it's just you just type in Marilyn Rowe and and it'll come up. It, you yes. know, my picture is there, and uh, it'll say that I'm from the Port Peninsula. I do have our petition there. It's the, probably the first thing on on our page. It's it's a um, online petition. We have 568 names and climbing. Um, so if your viewers can go on there and and uh, and, and sign and, and help us out. Uh, but you know, we are we are getting stronger. We're we're getting more allies, and I'm hoping that the government will start listening to us. I mean, we're not going to go away. So um, you know, every step of the way that they take, we're we're going to be there, and we're going to meet them face to face. And so you know, it's a matter of who I guess is going to break first because, uh, like I said, our group is getting stronger. I don't know what's going on in the government side of it because I don't hear anything from the government. Mm. Not a response, though. Well, considering that uh, you started this, uh, what, uh, less than six in months July. ago, you in July, yeah. and we're only late, late, we're headed into December now. So it's been yep. less than half a year. So looking back on it, um, you've actually yep. come quite a long ways. You've had to organize, become experts at uh, in uh, yep. in wind power, in uh, yep. media communications, in um in uh, filing access to information requests. So mm -hmm. really, when you look back on the um, on what you've been able to do, it's it's actually quite impressive. So I guess you well, can, you. Um, yeah, you can give yourself a credit in the in the face of the uh, challenge. Uh, I guess it's good to reflect on how far you've come over that time. So a good thing yeah. to keep in mind. Oh, thank you. Yes, we got, we got to look at the positive here, you know, and, and we got some good people coming on board now you know, with different, uh, different strengths. So, you know, I, I believe that we will get there. It, it's just a matter of time and getting the right people on board. Mm. Yeah. Good, Marilyn. Well, why don't we uh, just uh, let listeners know how to reach the Environmental Transparency Committee? There's the Facebook page, of course. Um, yeah. That's probably the best way. Any And your uh, Twitter handle, at Marilyn yeah. Rowe on uh, yeah. Twitter. That's R-O-W-E. And right. um, any other places that uh, you want to tell, to tell people about? Uh, no, they can just just uh, email the the ETC. Uh, it's called ETC port port at gmail.com. That would be the best one. And then uh, we are constantly looking at our emails on that site. And then we, you know, kind of uh, take it from there. So that would be a good one. And if you want to reach out to me on, on Twitter and, you know, leave me a message, I'll get back to you, you know, right away. So, um that would be wonderful. 
Great, Marilyn. Well, uh, thanks for telling us about uh, the latest events and um, all the best going forward. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure talking to you, Glenn. I really appreciate it. Marilyn Rowe of the Environmental Transparency Committee. And that's it for the program. Allison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for the latest Mi'kmaq news and views. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Emsonokama. Mm-hmm.